welcome to the Through the Lens of Learning podcast. If we haven't met, hello, I'm your host, Dr. Tracy Schroyer. I'll give you two words that summarize me to a T, lifelong learner. Join me as I share a bit about my own journey of curiosity, learning, and wonder. You'll also get to hear from some phenomenal individuals on what they're curious about learning and what they have to share too. Are you itching with excitement yet? I am, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Through the Lens of Learning podcast. And today I have Chrissy Leonard joining me. Thank you, Chrissy, for joining. Thank you, Tracy. It's good to see you again. (laughs) You too. Um, So we're going to start off like we have with every episode with Chrissy. Can you tell us how you define learning? Learning. I love learning. (laughs) Learning, you can get that from books. But for me, a lot of learning came from life what I experienced and how I figured out how to deal with what I went through and how to use it in a more positive way. So that's learning for me. You know, I'm a big fan of knowledge is power. And so the more knowledge you have, the more powerful you can be in the essence of what you can do with your life and how you can give back and not being stopped by the other things that happen in your life when you're going. I love that. And you'll be able to talk about that more in your experience here in a minute, too. Yes. Because you live that for sure. Um, So, Chrissy, let's get into your learning journey. And I know I'll let you share a bit more. I know you talk about being an author and writing and what writing has done for you and how it's helped you to learn and get through painful experiences in your life. So I'll kind of open it up to you and let you take us through your journey. All right. Well, first, I am Chrissy Ann Leonard, and I'm an author. I also have my own jewelry line. I mentor authors and I do one-on-one coaching with authors trying to get their book started. So I will take you from beginning to end all the way through. So that's big, exciting. And that's really how I give back to the writing community is helping other people get their stories out because your life is your story. And somewhere, somebody, some way, sometime needs to hear your story for inspiration. I think the biggest thing is if we look at our life stories as a way to inspire other people, uh, maybe we would make different decisions along the way. And we would think of more inspiring things and not be distracted by everything happening in the world. Uh, So that's my big plug for inspiration. (laughs) Um, I loved writing and I love to read, you know, as a kid, I love to read. It was twofolded for me, you know, I loved books. I was the first one at the bookmobile, the first one in the library, but books were fun because they would take you to places that you necessarily would never get to in your life. And I also loved how the authors were able to just pull me in as a reader and keep me in that story. And for me, that's a big thing. I'm really big on emotional parts. I want to be like sucked into that world. And I want to stay there to where I can see myself in there. You know, as a highly creative person, I want to envision myself within that story. And so I always wanted to be eventually sometime in my life, a writer that could do that. However, (laughs) I didn't realize that sometimes to draw those emotions into a story You have to go through some really painful things, at least for me. That's where I drew my inspiration. And so I kept reading and I would write short stories and poetry in school. I have since not 
kept up writing poetry because I'm more into the short stories, novels, novellas. And so I went through school and then, you know, I met a guy and went through that whole part of life and writing kind of took a back seat to that. And, you know, we got married and it was not a great thing for me. And so it ended very painfully. And so I had all this pain, you know, during that time, I became addicted to food. I um, drank a lot of alcohol. I contemplated committing suicide. And so, you know, I have all of this just negative stuff sitting inside. And as a young person, you know, I didn't really know how to deal with all that stuff. And so I always said, like, I walked around with a, a chip of Gibraltar, the size of a Gibraltar on my shoulder, because I just didn't know what to do. And so then I moved from West Virginia and I came to Ohio to be with my, my twin sister. And I still just had all of this pain and anger and not knowing what to do. And so I just kind of like lived to the best that I could with all of this stuff. But then I found myself making the same style of decisions and, and walking some of the same paths. And as you know, when you're on a hamster wheel, some things started to happen again. And, and so, you know, I started drinking again because for me, you know, there was solace in the bottle and there was solace in the food. But I didn't know how to reach out to people because I was not a big fan of asking for help because I saw that as a weakness. You know, everything came easily to me and I had not really failed at anything in my life until I got married. And so marriage is like my fail all, learn all kind of thing. So that was hard for me because I was a perfectionist at that time. And you can't be perfect if you failed. And I didn't really understand the concept of how we just can't be perfect in this life. It's, it's just not made that way. We, we can't do it. And so I just started making all the same decisions and walking that path again. And somewhere inside of me, I knew like, this is just all bad. <laughs> this is just going to be all bad. This cannot end well for me. And so I was going along and, and you know, my sister offered her advice and and so I got into some counseling, um, but it wasn't spiritually based counseling. Not, th not that there's anything wrong with regular counseling, but I believe I was at the point in my journey where I actually did need a spiritual guide. You know, I was not saved at the time. Um, and one of the big things from when I was in my previous life was, you know, on the night I wanted to commit suicide, I had this vision of this man and I was like, one, why am I not afraid of this person? Two, why is this person here? And, you know, what he said was, this is not the life I have planned for you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're talking about. But I'm really curious about this life you have planned. And, and so I chuckle now because I know who it was and I know what the purpose was. But I chuckled because I was more curious about this life, not like, why did this guy show up and why is he saying <laughs> these things? But I wanted that life. And so I started chasing that life, still not knowing what that life was or had any clue about anything. I'm like, I'm going to go find it. And so you know how it is when you're on a relentless pursuit, <laughs> you, you know, sometimes you don't make the best decisions. And so I was at a community picnic and I had realized I had left my house unlocked. And so I went down, it was getting close to dark and I went to, you know, lock my house 
and the hair instantly stood up on the back of my neck and I was like oh you know something's not right like something is not right in this situation and it wasn't because I was sexually assaulted by someone who come out from behind a parked car and pinned me up against the wall and you know I knew that if we went into the house one of us probably wasn't coming out and I wasn't sure which one that was actually going to be and so you know my neighbor ended up coming home and he left and uh, what she was looking for was actually with her. And so it was, I, and now I had all the previous negative energy and now we've added this on because I had taken self-defense classes. So I knew what to do to defend myself, but honestly it was a deer in the headlights look and everything just went, pew, you know, right out of my mind, right out of the window. And all I kept saying was, why is this happening to me again? And, and, you know, so it was like, what do I do with all this? And then my sister moved me completely to a whole nother city with her and, and her husband. Thank goodness. And she just said, like, you've got to get some counseling. And so, you know, my brother-in-law, he invited us to church and I was like, oh, you know, okay, I'll go. I'll tag along. And uh, I went there and I felt like this pastor was just speaking to me by myself, not all the, you know, other hundred people in the room and just, he had just hit that. And I was just like, Hmm, I'm really interested about this guy he's talking about because something in me said, like, I feel like I know this person. Like, I feel like I know this person already, but I have no idea how I would know this person. And so I kept going to church and then went to counseling and got a spiritual counselor this time. And, you know, through all of that, I became saved. I, I turned my life over to God and recognize Jesus. And as I got deeper in my faith, I realized that the man who had come to see me when I wasn't saved was actually a vision of Jesus. And, you know, he comes back again and says, same thing. This is not the life I have planned for you. And I'm like, okay, so, you know, this isn't the right life either. And so I'm learning how to deal with all this negativity and I'm like, what is this life that he is talking about? Like, I really want to know what this life is. And so, you know, I'm trying to deal with some of the deepest pain I've ever had in my life. And thank goodness, you know, counseling, get past the stigma, what everybody says, you know, counseling is very beneficial, whether it's, you know, regular counseling or spiritual, you can benefit from that. I actually have both. I still have counselors and coaches. And so I was learning, like, I have to find a way to channel all of this negative that I'm carrying inside of me because I keep making the same decisions. And I know these paths aren't good for me. They're not healthy. They're not what they need to be. But at the time I never knew like, what is this life? This man was talking about, like, I want this life. <laughs> I don't know how to get it, but I want this life. And so I, as I got deeper in my faith and you know, they tell you God's purpose. And, and so then the writing started to come back because how I channeled a lot of this pain was through stories. You know, I, I wrote a book um, before the one I published. I actually wrote another one that dealt with um, rape and um, abuse. And, and so it was cathartic for me. And I entered it into a contest and, and I didn't win. And that was fine. It's not the purpose of why I entered it. I entered the contest to keep myself on a deadline to get this book done. And so, you know, I channeled a lot into that book and, you know, I just shelved it back on the shelf. Like maybe one day I'll get back to that. 
And so as I started healing, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm feeling better. I'm feeling healthier. This is good. I'm going to give this writing thing a shot. And so, you know, I had gotten married a second time and that did not work out either. Wonderful man. We just grew apart. And, and so when people ask me like, what is something that you failed at and why I say, well, I fail with marriage. Um, and part of that was, you know, it took me years, Tracy, to realize at least for the second marriage, it had nothing to do with him. I didn't know how to love myself. And so if I can't love myself, how can I possibly love someone in that style that you have to love? Like that's a whole different level than like loving your family and loving your friends. You know, you are talking about an intimate partner. And, and so, you know, it wasn't fair because it, it was never going to work because I just didn't know how to love myself because I was still carrying all of this shame and regret and, you know, lonely, like you're married, but you're still lonely because you're, you know, it was me. I was lonely because I didn't have the connection that I needed. And so we parted as friends and it was really good. And I'm like, okay, so how do I, you know, how do I learn to love myself? And, you know, I think that's one of the hardest parts, especially when you come from a very traumatic background, you have all this trauma and all of this stuff. And what I realized was I had lost myself along the way. Like I had become someone that I'm not. And, you know, I was not outgoing anymore and I didn't have a zeal for life. And, you know, cause I didn't know how to deal with all of this stuff. I mean, it's just stuff. It, it's so hard to name everything it was, but, you know, and realizing that when you come from a traumatic background, you love on a different level, like, this is the love level I have available to you. And if that's not going to work, then we're not going to work because I can't give like the society level of love that they talk about. And so that was really hard, not only on me, but realizing like, okay, I have not invested a lot in the people around me and the relationships. And so I went through that whole, like, I have to find myself and so after the assault, I really had to learn to reintegrate into a society that I was afraid to be in, you know, because they never caught the person and you're, you know, for years, you're looking over your shoulder and you're having trouble um, around men and you're just like, what is happening here? And so, you know, I learned to deal with all of that. And then I said, I'm going to write this book. I have this wonderful sci-fi book in my head. It's really cool. I just need like a good setting to write this book in. And Ohio provided a wonderful thunderstorm one night. And I was like, oh, <laughs> snap. You know, sci-fi thunderstorms, they were born to go together. Right. And I was like, this is a beautiful setting for this book. And so I got up and I was like, I'm going to write this book. And then I always pray before I write because, you know, I want to be protected while I'm writing. So when I'm dealing with all this negativity and all this like powerful emotions that I'm not fully consumed by them. And so I just prayed to the Lord, like, you know, just protect me and provide the words and not realizing what I was saying, like the Lord and sci-fi, you know, it's kind of don't really go together. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so I wrote and I just kept writing and writing and writing as the storm raged on. So did my pen. And then I was so tired. I went to bed. I was like, I'll just read it in the morning. I don't even have the energy. <laughs> so, you know, a couple hours later, I woke up and I started reading this page and I was like, uh, wait a second. 
there is no sci-fi on this page whatsoever. I was like, this is interesting. And so what it was, was I wrote this book about people writing letters to God about the struggles they faced in life. Like you had food addiction in there and you have abandonment and you have all these heavy hitter, like scenarios that people can go through. And at the time I didn't realize that God had provided the arena I needed to be in to pull those deep emotions out and start dealing with, you know, the shame and the regrets and all those powerful emotions. And so I was like, Oh man, this book is interesting. Like, and, and then I looked and I was like, okay, first draft, you know, eh, it's okay. And so I just kept writing, but I always held back a portion of me always held back. And, you know, I have my own editors and they knew it because they know me. We have been friends for a really long time and I knew they knew me and therefore they would know like, this is the best she has to offer or She's just skimming the surface. Right. And, you know, one thing I tell other authors is you got to have editors. (laughs) If you have people in your life that can do that, that's great if they're willing to do it. If not, spend the money for editors because you read it however you want to read it. And, you know, when I wrote it, I was like, man, this is the Oprah bestseller list right here. (laughs) And, you know, my editors come back and like, this is a coffee table book. Like, (laughs) you're not there. You're still not there. And I'm like, this is the best thing ever. And uh, and so they kept pushing um, because they knew that I wasn't there yet. And so God kept pressing and I'm like, I don't really want to go where you want me to go. So I have this area I call when I'm writing called the pain pocket. This is an area I have where, you know, I can tap into all those experiences that happened to me before and hit those emotions without having them really trigger me back to those times. And so he kept wanting me to go there. And I was like, uh, uh-uh. I was like a two-year-old throwing a tantrum. This is just not going to happen. I'm not going there. No. And he's like, you're going to go there. And so I refused to go. And then he ended up sending a message saying, either you do it or I'm giving it to somebody else. I'm like, no way, man. I got, you know, I'm eight years in on this book. There is nobody else taking this book. And so I just went one weekend. I was like, okay, it's time to hit this pain pocket. And I went in there and I pulled out the story that was supposed to be what it was. Because I feel like when I write, if I don't put emotion into my writing and because that's how I do it, I'm a very visual and emotion writing. How do I expect the reader to have any sort of emotion if I'm not investing that same emotion into the book? And so I went there <laughs> and it got done. I sent it off and, you know, Westbow Press is like, we want to publish it. it. It just needs tuned. So we, you know, they have their own editors because they know the editing it takes to get the book published where your editors know what it takes to get it to the publisher or self-publishing or what you wanted to do. So I did that and uh, we published in September of 2019. And I was like, hallelujah. And it was my first try, like my first drive submitting for publishing, which is very rare. I think it's like 4% and under that make it their first time out. And so that was like a big thing. I was like, you know, this is, this is so much bigger than me. And, and it was, you know, it was my way to give back for like, you know, God saving me when I wasn't even saved at the time, but he preserved that to bring this book out. And then the pandemic came. And so then we have nothing because, you know, the whole world shut down. 
and I was like, man, I feel like I just got left behind. Like, I, I feel like God just forgot about me down here. Uh, I don't know what to do with this book. Like, what am I going to do? And a random phone call to a screenwriter ended up with them saying, hey, we want to write your book for TV. And I was just like, this just doesn't happen to normal people. You know what I mean? Like, this is just crazy. You're looking for the punked cameras. I know. I'm like, what's going on? When's the other shoe going to drop? And and so that's what we're doing. And so, you know, I for me, it's really life can teach you a lot of lessons. There was a lot of lessons I had to learn during that time. You know, one, I had to learn about myself. And I had to set boundaries within myself. Because if you don't have those boundaries, you're just going to go everywhere. And you've yeah. got to set boundaries. They're healthy for you. That's b- the big misconception about boundaries is you're doing it to keep people out. That is so not true. You're doing it for your preservation and your mental health. And the people in your life that you're doing, they need to understand that. It has nothing to do with you. It's all about me. And this is the instance where it can be all about you. Like You have to have those and you have to set them within yourself first. Because if you don't have your own boundaries, there's no boundary going to work with another person. And so I had to learn how to love myself again, too. And a lot of that was just, I had to just deal with what was there. I had to forgive myself. You know, I had some very bad decision making that I did, but really forgive myself for not allowing myself to move on. I was my biggest detriment because I didn't want to deal with all of that stuff. And I didn't know how to deal with it in a proper way that didn't involve even more bad habits. And so once I did that and learned that, I was like, you know what? All of this is a learning lesson. Like everything can be a learning lesson. And I always say there's a story in everything. Everything can be a story. And so I took all of these lessons that I had learned and I'm like, I'm going to channel this into writing because a very good way to get all of that stuff out in a healthy way is to write. That's why a lot of people journal. Um, I don't like that word. I don't like journal. I just call them little books. <laughs> Same concept, just different title. And, you know, it's very healthy to do that. And as you go through, you can learn about yourself. And then I learned what kind of writer I was and what I wanted to do. And it was, you know, all of this pain I had from life. Life taught me a lot of pain. It dealt, dealt me a lot of pain. But then my purpose, my purpose from God rose up to meet this pain. And he's like, I have a way for you to handle this that is very healthy. And it's a great way for you to give back because you learned in a completely different way. You know, I, I don't have a writing degree. I don't have all of that. What I do is what I learned from. Mm -hmm. And then I have other people to help me. And so I'm just the creative machine behind it. And then I have people qualified in the areas that I am not that helped me bring it all the way through. I think that's important. You know, I think as authors, we try to be everything. We want to be, you know, the writer. We want to be the editor. We want to be the marketing. And, but we can't be all of those things. System. Right. Like you yeah. have to stay in your gift. My gift is to write. That is the yeah. gift. That is the talent. And I have other people help me along with that. So I have time to give back to the writing world. You know, it's a beautiful thing to have a story. Your life is your story. You want to witness here on earth? It's through your life. That's how you do it. And I think people need to know you can bring that to a book, to, you know, a journal, however you want to do that as a way to give back because it's inspiring. You know, in this day and age, we believe because we see. So people need to see it happen so they believe it. And when they see someone that has come through so much trauma and is living a 
thriving, flourishing life, and you have learned to live again by reinventing yourself, that is very inspirational to people. And then, you know, they figure out what their gift is, and then they want to give back. And so you just start this chain reaction, which needs to happen. And all of it really is from how you learn. Like life teaches you some very difficult lessons, but it also teaches you positive lessons. It's just how you deal with it. So in the end, it's you, you know, you are the mechanism to make this happen. And that was big for me. You know, I think people have this misconception that you just write this book in one day and everything is kumbaya and it's all great and you don't, but it's hard. It's hard to write a book. It, It is like having another job and you have to come up with this and you have to be able to deal with, you know, like failure and criticism. But here's the thing with criticism. It's just like getting a compliment. You get the compliment, you get the criticism, you say thank you, you digest it, you learn from it, and then you just move on. Because if you sit in that to where you cannot take those kind of things, you're going nowhere. Like your train has literally stopped at the station and it does not have a new destination because you can't get past that. And so for me, I have come to the place in my learning journey in that where, you know, knowledge is power and words are weapons. And so you have a way to take this power and these weapons that you have as words and you can make one of two choices. You can use it to destroy somebody or you can take it and use it as a positive way to influence people in an inspirational way. Because, you know, it's your choice what you're going to do with it. And that's why, you know, the pen is mightier than the sword. (laughs) You know, the sword causes you to bleed. It's so true. But the pen, you know, people don't forget what is said to them. They don't. They'll forget what you did. They'll forget the circumstance, but they will never forget what you've said to them. And that's what you have to think about when you're using your words as weapons. People will remember 10 years from now, something you told them that you probably don't even remember you said, but they will remember and it can truly influence and affect the way they go about their life. And so why would you not want to use your words in an inspirational way? And that's learning within itself. You have to learn how to do that. Yeah. So I have a question for you, Chris. Sure. One of the things you mentioned when you're talking is the pain pocket and being able to, you can safely go in there. So it's not like you're letting that block you. I know there's a lot of people that think of whether it's journaling, writing their little books, or want to put out a book or somebody tells somebody, you know, you've been through all this, you should write a book, but they're worried that they're going to relive all of that. How did you actually learn to create this pain pocket and be safely in there? Like, do you have any tips or advice for people on how to go into that? Yeah, I learned a lot from counseling. Counseling was huge for me to learn because I learned about the boundaries that I needed to set with myself. But I also learned to recognize when I was getting triggered mm. and then learn the the mechanisms to be able to bring yourself down from that. And so that's important. Like you have to recognize when you're getting triggered and you only know that is if you're dealing with it with someone who is qualified to teach you about those things. You know, I can talk to you about my triggers and how I deal with them and they may be different than your triggers, but I learned that from counseling. And another thing is my friend gave me this best advice (laughs) that I've really gotten in my life. She said, why is it when people leave our life, which causes a lot of trauma in itself, 
that we always feel like the defect is within ourselves and we don't recognize that it, the defect could be in the person that is leaving. And, and that was huge for me because then I also had the perspective shift in, you know, that is also a good thing to recognize when you're wanting to write this story that you have to have a perspective shift about things. You have to see the power in what you're doing. And a lot of that is fear. You know, fear will drive you away from writing a story faster than your pencil breaking. But you have to have the faith to believe that what you're doing is for the benefit of other people. And also it feeds you, you know, when you are helping other people, you, you just feel differently about yourself and knowing that that is the reason why you want to do it. And you're not chasing the fame. You're not chasing the fortune because it takes a lot to get both of those in the writing world. (laughs) Yeah. And then, you know, I developed this pain pocket, which I can go to just all I want to do is tap into the boundaries of the emotion. I don't want to relive that situation. You know, when I wrote those first two books, I had to do that. You know, the first time you're going back, you're going to relive a lot of that stuff. And then as you do it, you become more comfortable with sharing that. And you have to know how much you want to share. That's a big thing too. And that essence is a boundary. You know your boundary of how much you're willing to share with people. And then you can kind of like curve the emotions because you're like, okay, only this much comes through and this doesn't. And I still have counselors and coaches on speed dial for when it becomes overwhelming. I'm like, I really need to talk to these people. And I'm like, Hey, do you have a second? Or I'll text them. Like, you know, I'm not feeling like I'm handling this well. And it still happens. You're still going to have that. But sometimes you're called to be the person because if it's not you, who is it going to be? And so for me, it's more of, I weigh it like triggering myself and going back to this pain pocket versus putting something out there that someone can find inspirational from and maybe change the course of their life to a better way. It outweighs what I'm going to go through, but I also have developed healthy habits and, you know, circumstances in that to be able to deal with all of that stuff in a healthy way that is not going to detriment me. You know, the the first couple minutes you're in just like, and then as you sit and process and, you know, they teach you breathing techniques you can do to just disconnect that thought process from your mind. And then it's all about learning what your boundary is with that situation and what you're going through. And then having the people in your life that can help you and not being afraid to ask for help. That was a huge lesson I had to learn. You know, I was either going to stay on this path or I was going to get help and go on a different path. And I've always valued that help. You know, the stigma for counseling went out the window. It's like, look, these people are amazing. They know how to get you through this stuff. They're trained in this. They can teach you things. And I feel like they get to know you. So they know like, this is the best way for you. It's not necessarily the best for my client Z over there. And so they get to know you and and you have this. And it's also beautiful to have that because they don't know anything about you when you start. They're like a third party that has no clue about anything. (laughs) Right. There's no bias. There's no judgment. You can bear your heart and they're still going to have you come back. (laughs) Yeah. You know, where like some people in your life be like, don't ever call me again. (laughs) 
<laughs> and so that's important when you're dealing with the pain pocket. You've got to know who you can contact because some people like your friends and your family are not equipped for that. They're who you want to run to because they're who you're the most comfortable with, but they're not equipped for that kind of stuff. You may have someone, if they have a degree or whatever, they may be equipped, but knowing that like, it's okay to seek outside help and it'll be better for you in the long run with all of those relationships, because now they're not also carrying that baggage that you have put on them. And, and so, you know, you walk around with your traveling suitcase of your pain pocket issues and you just got to find where to put it. That is the biggest thing I would say. And if you get there and you go through it one time, you're like, this is not for me. It's okay. There's so many different styles of writing that you can do that, you know, emotional and visual may not be your thing. And that's okay because you'll find your thing and that'll be great. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I like how you mentioned boundaries with yourself because so often we hear about boundaries and it's talking about, like you said, like blocking other people and putting a fence up of where they, how close they can come. But I don't even myself think of boundaries so much as boundaries within myself of what I'm going to I'll give you this visual. So this is coming from a YouTube series that I'm going to do about um, lessons in the Bible. So you have Moses and you have his staff, right? And so when he get, he has all these people following him, good and bad people following him. And so he gets in the sea, he's boom, he sticks the staff in and the waters part. And so visually, if you think of it this way, that when Moses puts his staff in the sea and the waters part, he has set a boundary. And all of the good things, you know, all the people following him went through safely. But the minute Moses pulls that staff out of the water, he has essentially moved the boundary line. And so now the water comes in and floods everything, whether it's good or bad, it dies. And not necessarily mean like die in a physical sense, right. but you have moved your boundary line and therefore something is going to die. And so if you kind of look at it that way, like when you put it in and the water parts, you got a healthy boundary. What's supposed to go through healthily goes mm-hmm. through and everything is good. It's all good. The minute you move that and the water starts come rushing in, the good may still be there, but now you have move that boundary line and now all the bad can come in with it and now you just have destruction and that's what i think of when i think of boundaries healthy boundaries is if i set that then the good comes through Mm -hmm. but you're always tempted to move boundary lines whether it's society or friendships or you're always tempted to move those lines so if you kind of think of it that way like if i move this line you know i can now let the things I wanted to keep out in. And that's not healthy because there was a reason I put that boundary line right there. And so it's always, sometimes you got to see the visual in your mind to see like, yeah, that's not going to be healthy and that's not a good decision. And then that's, that's really how I do mine. So that, that's what I kind of tell people. Like there's, there's a lot of good lessons in there too. And uh, <laughs> if you think of that, cause that's like a very powerful thing when you see that's, when we think of Moses, a lot of times we think of that in the tablet, but to see, like, think of the whole sea move and people go through. And then when he moves it, all that water comes rushing in and there's nothing going to survive all of that water coming rushing in. So that's what I do. I love it. I love Seeing it. is believing, right? <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. 
so Chrissy, if people want to connect with you or follow you, um, what would you recommend the way that they go ahead and do that? I've made this very easy for people. <laughs> I have my own website. It's actually my name, www.chrissyleonard.com. And it's C-R-I-S-S-I-E. And I'm also on Instagram. And I'm also on Facebook. So you can follow me on those. I'm at Chrissy, Chrissy Author on Instagram. And then Chrissy.Ann.Leonard on Facebook. And I'll be launching my YouTube channel back up towards fall, winter of this year, where I'm going to put some things on there for people to follow. But right now, that's how you can follow me. You can subscribe to my website, and I do a newsletter every couple months to let you know the new things that are going on and what's happening. So, yeah, it's pretty easy. I made that website a one-stop shop. (laughs) That's good. That's good. Find everything you need there. I know. You know, that's what you want. You want the convenience, and it's all right there. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you, Chrissy, for being a guest on my podcast. Thank I you. I so appreciate it. Uh, so many good uh, good tips and uh, best practices of, uh, that you've learned from your experience and your yes. learning journey. So I appreciate that and that you're willing to share that uh, with others. Thank you. It's good to have little knowledge nuggets. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, everyone, for listening. And we will catch you on the next episode. Thank you. Have a great day. This podcast is brought to you by Upskill University. You can find more information about how to become part of the Upskill community for free. This and other episodes of the Through the Lens of Learning podcast and more on the website at www.upskilluniversity.com. Thanks again for listening and have an awesome day.